What's up? I'm Ben Hale, and this is the Easy Living Yards podcast. Creating a beautiful yard should be easy. Let's jump in and create the dream yard you deserve so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. Welcome to episode 103 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Welcome back to another awesome episode, guys. I'm happy to jump into today's episode. It's a continuation of episode 101. If you guys didn't listen to episode 101, what is permaculture and why does it matter to you? I really suggest you go over to listen to that. I'll have a link to that in the show notes for today's show, but you can also just go over to easylivingyards.com slash episode 101, and you can listen to that episode right there. Of course, there's always a link to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and other uh, popular podcast feeds on my podcast page. So if you guys want to check out any previous episodes, all of them are over at easylivingyards.com slash pod. That's easylivingyards.com slash pod. For those of you guys that didn't notice or haven't gone to the website, I really suggest you guys check out easylivingyards.com. Hey, let's jump into today's show. I don't really want to spend too much time on announcements or things like that, except for enjoy the weather, guys. Hope you're staying healthy. Enjoy the beautiful spring that's coming upon us here. And uh, this is a perfect time to be talking about permaculture. I'm super enthused about permaculture. I love this uh, topic, this subject area, this way of living. And so I really hope you guys kind of get some of that energy for yourselves and really try to apply some of these permaculture principles in your life. And so episode 101 was, was kind of an introduction to what is permaculture. And I'll do a very, very brief introduction here in case you guys want a refresher or in case you guys didn't hear that show. Again, I suggest you go listen to the show. But it was a bit more of a, you know, like a, I didn't want it to make it like luxury or anything, but I, it was kind of a headier type of um, discussion about what is permaculture and how it can really, at its core, change the way we live and change our world. That's really how powerful this permaculture concept is to me and how I perceive it. And a lot of other people that are really into permaculture feel the same way about it. It's kind of, a, in a way, it takes all these ancient thoughts and ideas and combines them together into a more holistic approach and a more uh, deliberate and pragmatic approach and takes all those ancient things and makes it this this path to the future of sustainable living and holistic living and low impact living in a way that's really beneficial to us and our planet which is why i love it so again just a quick definition ish type thing is permaculture is a philosophy of working with rather than against nature it's a a protracted and thoughtful observation practice rather than protracted and thoughtless labor of looking at plants and animals and all their functions rather than treating any area as a single product system. Now I'm slightly paraphrasing a quote from uh, one of permaculture's founders uh, named Bill Mollison. Um, Bill passed away a few years ago, but uh, one of his co-founders, uh, David Holmgren, uh, both Australian natives, he's still around, still teaching permaculture, and has a very productive uh, working permaculture farm as demonstration as well. Now, taking that kind of lofty um, definition in some ways, or, or maybe hard to digest or hard to figure out how to apply a concept, uh, in my own words, that maybe is a bit more digestible, is permaculture is a design perspective. 
inspired by nature, using purposeful interventions to create resilient systems that minimize long-term inputs for maximum sufficiency and yield. So to say that again, it's a mouthful, but each word is important. Permaculture is a design perspective inspired by nature using purposeful interventions to create resilient systems that require minimal long-term inputs for maximum sufficiency and yield. So these systems are designed to work along with land and ecosystems and soil um, and using basically really permaculture is a it's a mindset and a design perspective rather than a set of prescribed tools and processes. So that's kind of, I guess, <laughs> kind of spilling out stuff that's in my head of how I perceive this concept. And hopefully, um, you know, having that overarching view and summary of episode 101, today we can talk about practically applying permaculture design in our lives. And this is really anywhere you live, any life setting you're in, uh, life stage, um, this can really, you can apply these concepts in different ways to your life. So this isn't just about food production, although that is most often what people think of and most often how permaculture is applied. And so that's kind of going to be our focus today, but really think about how permaculture concepts can also be applied more broadly. So let's think about practically applying permaculture design. What does all this stuff mean, right? So we talked about, I talked about these, these overarching um, ethics of permaculture, the prime directive and the principles, 14 principles of permaculture. I'm not going to go into all of those. Check out episode 101 for those instead. Uh, but I will at least highlight the prime directive and the ethics because those are really the core principles <laughs> and not principles, right? There's 14 of those. They're the core founding, um, I guess, overarching concepts that define and steer all of permaculture practice. So the prime directive is the only ethical decision is to take responsibility of our own existence and that of our children. Boom, right? <laughs> okay, the ethics of permaculture, there are three ethics care of earth, care of people, and return of surplus, okay? And I talked more deeply about each of these in last, or in two episodes ago, um, so episode 101. Today, we're going to use, take those principles, those, uh, the principles and those founding directives and the ethic to really make it more granular. And instead of having tons and tons of practical examples. <laughs> it's hard for me to pull all those together. And it was, you know, I, I figured this would be like a three hour episode. So I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit glossy over some of this, just so we can cover a lot of ideas and concepts for you. So you can figure out how things can be best applied for you, whether you live in an apartment, an apartment with a balcony apartment with a small patio, uh, 30 acres, half an acre, a 10th of an acre, um, that actually reminds me, I have some awesome resources to link to today as well. Uh, two books, one from my uh, friend Amy Strauss over at 10thacrefarm.com. She has an awesome book called a The Suburban Micro Farm. Wonderful, wonderful book. Um, just got reprinted in full color. Um, beautiful book. And so I highly recommend you check it out if you're interested in um, applying these 
permaculture concepts into a productive small space. So as her blog website um, might suggest, she had a 10th acre property and she turned it into a very beautiful, uh, very productive space right in the middle of town uh, here in Southwest Ohio. Uh, Likewise, the uh, book Gaia's Garden is a another wonderful permaculture book that kind of distills out the permaculture principles and shows you how to practically apply uh, permaculture principles for uh, suburban living, essentially. So check those out. Awesome books. I'll refer to them at the end of the show as well. So for applying permaculture, how do we really apply all this lofty stuff to our own yard, right? Well, let's talk about how I suggest to start. Begin by outlining what is important to you in your yard. That's what it really comes down to, right? If if permaculture doesn't give you a yield, and a yield doesn't have to be bananas or tomatoes or whatever, a yield just simply has to be something that uh, returns value to you, right? Thinking of it somewhat selfishly, but that's really what it has to be because if you don't get value out of your space, it's a resource drain, right? And so you need to determine what is value to you. So by outlining what's important to you and your yard, you can start with figuring out what's valuable to you. And of course, when I say you, make sure you think about your family as well, right? Your family, your pets, yourself, even your neighbors, if you want, or your visitors, depending on how often people show up to your property. So what are your ethics, right? So the ethics of permaculture are defined. What about you? Do they resonate with you? How closely do they resonate with you? And maybe there's something else that's more important or not more necessarily, but also important to you that you want to think about as you determine your permaculture vision for your property. And of course, touching closer to the Easy Living Yards um, branding, how do you intend to live with purpose, right? I talk a lot about having landscapes with purpose, whether it's a native landscape to produce native habitat for local indigenous uh, flora and fauna, or maybe it's food production. So maybe it's not so focused on natives, but it's focused on giving you a yield in terms of food, right? Maybe it's a retreat from society. Maybe that's the purpose of your landscape. You want a place that you can escape to, right? A retreat, somewhere to bring your blood pressure back down, right? From this stressful life. Uh, Maybe it is providing habitat more broadly, right? Maybe you're not so focused on native plants, but you want habitat, stuff for pollinators, stuff that provides seeds, right? Maybe you want something that uh, provides a wonderful space for your kids to learn and grow. These are all things that are very important to me, and I hope that at least one of them is important to you as well. That's really what I like to focus on here at Easy Living Yards to help you design your landscape in a way uh, that helps meet one of these purposeful goals. Maybe it's something different and that's okay too. So let's think about, you know, how we want to live with purpose as we go through this next step. Okay, so in this next step, (laughs) all right, I actually had to pause there a little bit to uh, just catch my breath. I've been going a million miles an hour on this because I love talking about permaculture, guys. I hope you enjoy listening about permaculture and are really engrossed in learning about this concept. Um, (laughs) But I ran out of breath. So anyway, (laughs) back on track here. 
Um, so this next phase uh, of this episode, what I want to do is walk you through turning the the principles of permaculture into a series of questions that can help you focus and think more broadly on what you can do for your landscape. Okay, and some of these I'll drop in a few examples, but I also don't want to be restrictive. Uh, um, by providing examples that steer you in a certain direction. Because the whole concept of design, whether we're talking about aesthetic design or permaculture-inspired design, um, a lot of it is just be about being open-ended and not cr- closing up things, providing opportunities for, for new ideas, right? So let's think about these. First, how do we minimize inputs? What are the inputs in your landscape? Right now, I would be willing to guess that in your landscape, one of the major inputs is mowing the lawn, trimming the edges of your lawn, right? Blowing all the grass clippings around. Those are a huge input for a lot of people. So what are the inputs in your landscape? And if you think about it, all of that stuff requires energy, right? So there's a massive input in gas, right? Um, and there's an environmental cost along with that too, if we want to put it bluntly. All right, I don't want to get too far off track, but think about your inputs and how do you minimize them. If we think about gardening, annual gardening, there's a ton of input that's required in annual gardening, right? So how do we minimize that? All right, next, how do we maximize yield? Well, first, let's define what a yield is for you. So when I'm talking about a yield, we can easily think about tomatoes and peppers, right? Tomatoes, peppers, um, bananas, beans, whatever it is, right? If you're actually gardening, it's easy to think about your yields. Well, you could also think of yields as being environmental health, right? It it all ties back to your goals. What are your goals for your landscape? Uh, Relaxation can be a yield. Peace of mind, right? Just time can be a yield as well. So how do we maximize whatever yields are most important to us and to what we care about? So that could be uh, our environment as well. Observe and lands. <laughs> All right, let's start over. How can you better observe your landscaping conditions? So a lot of us go through our landscape all the time when we're actually commuting instead of being stuck at home. For those of you who listen are listening to this right now, you might be quarantined due to the COVID-19 coronavirus epidemic pandemic, right? So <laughs> when you're actually commuting to work and back, you at least pass through your front yard twice a day. But do you ever observe it? Do you stop and just listen and feel and smell and hear? And what is your landscape speaking to you? So that's about observing your landscape and your conditions. And what can it tell you? What do you notice about your landscape? What's, what's maybe something you've never seen before? This can really provide information and inspiration to you to, to move forward with some ideas Sometimes it's dangerous for me because when I observe my landscape and interact with it, I actually come up with so many ideas that I want to do a million things that I might not have time for. But it's inspirational. It's energizing. It's connecting, right? It develops this deeper connection with our landscape. That's a perfect segue into the next question. What connections can be enhanced? So maybe it's our own personal connection with our landscape, right? But also think about it more broadly. What are the things in our landscape that maybe could be better connected? If you have your tool shed in the back corner of your property, 
right? In your garden, in the opposite corner of your property. That's not very practical if you keep all your tools in your tool shed, right? So how do we better enhance connections of things that are important for us? Maybe your patio is right out back, but then you have your grill separated from your patio by, you know, a good 50 feet or so. So when you're cooking food, all your friends are hanging out on the patio and you're over in the corner cooking, right? So what connections can you better enhance in your landscape? How do you catch and store energy or materials? So this one might seem a bit funky. And and so some of this is a f- very focused on the permaculture uh, concepts of food production. But if you think about it in degraded landscapes, for example, organic matter is very lacking. So you can set up wind catches to actually catch dust uh, that carries nutrients and soil particles through the air to build up your soil. So there's some awesome, awesome uh, practices that can really help people with uh, degraded landscapes and food production. But more pertinently, I'm assuming most of you aren't living in majorly degraded landscapes uh, trying to produce food to make a living. But for you, what does this mean to you? How do you catch and store energy or materials? Well, it could be as simple as when you're cutting the grass, right? What do you do with your grass clippings? Maybe you mulch them to refeed your lawn. Well, that's one helpful way to recycle the nutrients in the grass blades for future grass growth. What you can also do at certain times of the year is bag that grass and compost it or bag it and use it as a live, or as a, um, a healthy mulch for uh, certain areas of your landscape, right? You can catch and store those materials. You can use the energy that was um, utilized in producing those grass blades to... Um, build fertility in certain areas of your landscape. So that's just one example, right? You can catch and store sunlight in different ways. You can reflect it off of a building onto a plant uh, to help warm it or help increase photosynthetic uh, activity, right? So those are ways to catch and store energy or materials. Think about all the cool things you could do with water if you think about catching water. I'm just going to leave that one for you to think about. What can perform multiple functions? I love this one. It's the Swiss Army knife, right? So what parts of your landscape can do more than just what are they normally purposed for? Maybe this could be your patio, right? Maybe your patio could be your herb garden as well. So take all those uh, pansies that you tend to put out or the um, petunias or whatever, um, your decorative flower pots, maybe turn them into little herb pots, right? So they can be a productive space for your kitchen garden. So how can you, this performing multiple functions, a lot of times in permaculture, they call it stacking. How can you stack functions, right? Maybe the fence around your garden can serve as a trellis for your climbing, vining uh, plants as well. So instead of building trellises, maybe just use the fence and then it casts shade behind it, right? On the on the um, north side, for those of you who live in the northern hemisphere, on the north side of that fence, there's less sunlight. So maybe some more shade tolerant plants can now grow there because of the trellised plants. So those are ways to stack functions or perform multiple functions, what just used to be a fence is now a multifunctional system. What just used to be a patio can now be a uh, patio with a kitchen garden on it too. So those are examples. Where do you interact most? How can this be enhanced? 
Well, we just talked about our patio, right? Maybe you interact most on your patio. So by turning it into a kitchen garden, you've just enhanced that space. You've made it more valuable, right? And it's also a wonderful conversation piece, right? Think about your friends gathering around, all your foodie friends, right? And here you are cooking your meal, and suddenly you go and you harvest a few pieces of thyme, a little bit of oregano, and maybe some rosemary, right, to spritz up your, your whatever you're grilling on your grill, right? How impressed will your friends be when they see that? You can't get fresher food than that, right? So where do you interact most and how can this space be enhanced? Think about other things you could do with a space you interact most. What does succession look like in your landscape? Now, succession is not synonymous with success. Succession is the natural tendency for um, ecosystems to grow and develop into uh, what's sometimes considered a climax uh, ecosystem or a more stable ecosystem is the way I look to look at it. So succession is, if you think about an old farm field that's left fallow, right? It's left to basically re-naturalize. When that farm field re-naturalizes, first you get these emergent weeds, right? These really hardy, resilient weeds that come in and they're usually considered invasives, right? So those things grow up. What they're doing is they're anchoring that soil. They're rooting deeply and taking up as many resources as they can in the most resilient way possible. A lot of times they're annuals with a few very resilient perennial plants as well. Then you've got your mid-succession plants that come in. You get these shrubs that come in, these gnarly shrubs, a lot of nitrogen-fixing shrubs as well. And they come in and they start building that soil. And again, they're stabilizing that soil too. They're gathering up as much sunlight as possible. They're growing above those little weedy um, annuals and perennials that first established there. So they can get up a little higher. And then you have your pioneer trees, right? And then beyond pioneer trees, you start to get your mature trees, those stress-tolerant trees coming through and slowly growing to fill in the canopy. And 25 years later, you've got a forest, right? Of course, that's in the, the areas of the U.S. where you've got enough rainfall to have a climax forest, right? So half of the eastern U.S., basically, right? When you're talking about spaces that maybe are a little bit more water-stressed, you have a different succession system, but it's very similar. Right, you have different species and different um, different canopy cover, uh, different percentage of canopy cover, but the process is very similar. You have these um, these early pioneering plants, and that slowly succeed into mid succession, and then into um, and then into full succession. So that's what succession is. All right. So now let's get back to our question: What does succession look like in your landscape? By embracing this principle and starting to do things in a way, uh, so here we are talking about specifically food production. Um, when you start to grow things in a way that is in tandem with this principle of succession and goes along with it, you can be a lot more successful and it takes a lot less effort to maintain the system because you're embracing the process. So if you think about maybe transitioning to more um, fruit tree and nut producing tree systems. Maybe you don't love nuts or whatever, right? But think about the perennials that you enjoy that would be the most mature version of what you can fit into your landscape and design around that. 
using multiple layers. So you're talking about a canopy, vines, shrubs, low-level plants, herbaceous perennials, ground covers, uh, below-surface tuber-forming plants. All these layers can produce something for you or provide some sort of benefit. So that's what succession is, is using all those levels and embracing the process to help it along and to do it in a way that provides you a yield. That might not apply to every one of you, but it's it's a good uh, thought-provoking exercise. Okay, next, what renewable or biological resources can you utilize? It's really important, right, to, to start focusing on renewable processes, biologically-based processes. Why? Because biology is a productive system, right? So you take things that can capture sunlight and turn it into carbon that is trapped, that is utilized by uh, animals and and other plants and microorganisms, right? And and it so it basically took takes this sunlight and air, right, and water to to essentially create magic and energy for the world. So we when we can tap into that and tap into those renewable cycles, we are building long-term resilience for society and for ourselves as well. So what renewable or biological resources can you utilize? What are existing problems in your landscape? So what do you have right now that's causing problems? Maybe it's causing extra work. Maybe it's unsightly. Maybe it's uh, physically causing damage. Uh, Like you have runoff that's causing problems in your house. Those are things you need to address, right? Extra work takes extra time, which takes energy, right? And which takes sanity. (laughs) And so how do you adjust things to, to, um, from a permaculture perspective, to make the long-term fix to that existing problem? All right, here's a big one. What does a yield look like to you? What does a yield look like to you? Remember, we talk about creating a yield. You got to get something out of your landscape, right? Otherwise, it's just a giant resource drain. That's what it is for most people right now. It's keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's making your house look pretty because you have feel like you have to. Well, that's not good enough. That's how I feel, at least. So what does a yield look like to you? What do you want out of your landscape? Everything else can be defined around that. But you got to have a yield. So what does it look like to you? Are there more creative ways to reach your goals? A lot of times we get stuck on one solution. I do it all the time. And if I'm bright enough, sometimes, every once in a while, (laughs) I step back, I stop, and I say, okay, is there another way to address this problem? So are there more creative ways to reach your goals? Sometimes in the most restricted systems, you get the most creative and productive outcomes. Restriction leads to creativity. So sometimes restricting yourself a little bit for the sake of creativity is very helpful. So check it out. Try it out. All right, here's a good one for me. Where have you messed up? What can you learn from it? (laughs) I mess up a lot so I can learn a lot. That's why I do it, right, guys? I deliberately mess up just so I can learn. (laughs) I'm pretty good at it. So really the most valuable thing when you screw up, when you mess up, is to to try and learn from it. Figure out what you can learn. So where have you messed up and what can you learn from it? 
All right, so that's a rattle through of a ton of questions. I really suggest you guys maybe rewind back and go through this a few times. Think about it more deeply, each question. You know, this is an episode where really if you wanted to take some notes, write some things down, and then spend some time thinking about it, it could be really, really, really valuable for you in your landscape as you're thinking about approaching your landscape, maybe for food production, maybe for a better lifestyle. This can be really helpful for you. All right, guys, so I'm not quite wrapped up yet. I want to stop with just one last little bit. And that is, this goes back to our ethics, the permaculture ethics and the permaculture prime directive. The only ethical decision is for us to take responsibility for ourselves and our children. So how can you take responsibility when it comes to your use of resources? Our consumption. Consumption is out of control, right? I'm there too, right? So I've got to work on this, but... How do we use our resources? Do we use them efficiently and wisely? Do we, do we reframe what waste means and take responsibility for the waste we're generating? That's where I think a lot of people are missing out, right? We don't realize the overall cost of our waste footprint. So start thinking about that. What about our impact of our landscape? What we're doing to our soil? Are we building soil? Or are we degrading soil? Most people degrade their soil. That's a huge, huge environmental cost that takes nature ages to rebuild on its own. We have the capacity to consciously rebuild our soils if we deliberately try to do so. So what's your impact on your landscape when it comes to your soil? What about chemical usage? There's a huge environmental cost attributed to chemical usage. The energy required to produce and distribute them and the environmental impact of their use itself on the environment and also on our own health. What about heat? <laughs> this, this might seem a little silly, but really what we've done with urban development across the world is we've decreased the buffering capacity of the world, right? So what are we doing on our own landscape to manage and buffer systems to reduce the impact of sun exposure on things? Have you ever stood on a hot blacktop surface barefoot? Have you ever stood on a hot forest floor? I haven't. So think about the impact of your landscape. And also... You know, segueing to the next point, think about what our yard used to be. Before development, what was your yard like? I could imagine that it was probably better off. It's just my guess. So, what can you do? Maybe you didn't drive the bulldozer that came over your landscape to flatten it. You didn't drive the excavator that dug out your basement or crawl space. You didn't drive the crane that raised the I-beam to support your house, right? Probably not. But you live in that house. You have a partial responsibility in what was done to scar the land where you live. So how do we rectify those previous scars? That's what I'm trying to do with my landscape. That's what I hope I can teach you here at Easy Living Yards. That's what I work to teach through my membership 
is how do we rectify the previous scars on our landscape to make our landscape purposeful in some way to produce a yield for us. So if this is important to you guys, you have to commit to making a change. Here at Easy Living Yards, and for you guys listening, we are about to make Let's try this again. I was I was trying to be all, you know, like fancy and stuff, right? Let's try this again. We are about making tomorrow better than today. We are about living with intent, with purpose, and with passion. Permaculture serves as a tool to connect us to living with purpose and passion and making tomorrow better than today. So really consider what permaculture can do for you. Learn more about permaculture and its design process, its principles, and make your life better than today. All right, guys. So for today's show, I've got some awesome links. Go over and check out Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway. All these links you can check out at easylivingyards.com slash episode 103, episode 103. So again, Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway, The Suburban Micro Farm by Amy Strauss modern solutions for busy people. And of course, her website, 10thacrefarm.com. She has tons of awesome blog posts over there about producing food, healthy food for you and your family in a small space and doing it in a way uh, that's designed with permaculture principles in mind to reduce inputs and maximize yields. Also, I have an awesome blog article I wrote several years ago called How Permaculture Design Could Save California. And it sounds a bit lofty, but it could happen. All right, so check it out if you're interested. As always, guys, if you have a question about permaculture or any other topic we talk about on the show, you can always reach out and get a hold of me. Just go over to easylivingyards.com slash ask and fill out a really short blurb about what your question is, and I'll get in touch with you. It's absolutely free to just ask me a question, guys. I love to help you out. So whatever you're dealing with, out with, with right now in your yard, in your life, in your landscape, I'd love to help out if I can. If you have any questions about this whole permaculture stuff and how amazing it is, I'd love to hear about it as well. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up there. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. <laughs>